Welcome to Unfiltered Studios, your one-stop destination for a diverse range of podcasts that cater to every interest. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores the fascinating times of the 80s and 90s. Find solace in the advice of a mother on Petals of Support. Dive deep into intriguing interviews on The Sleevy G Show. Catch up with the latest in sports on Unfiltered Sports Weekly. Connect with your spiritual side on Finding Your Way. Achieve mental wellness with hypno-wellness. Never forget the history of everyday items with The Stupid History Minute. Understand how we've become the people we are today on How to Be Less of an Asshole and gather with fellow movie enthusiasts on Movie Lovers Unite. Your journey into the world of podcasts begins here at Unfiltered Studios. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every voice finds its place. Visit unfpod.com for more information. Hey everybody, Kent Pound here, and I've got something special for you this holiday season. It's the Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale for The Stupid History Book. This book isn't your typical history read. It's all about the surprising stories behind everyday items. Discover the quirky history of things that you use daily so that you can jingle all the way. It's the perfect gift for that hard-to-buy-for family member that likes to sound smarter than they actually are. So don't wait. This offer is available for a limited time, Black Friday through Cyber Monday. So grab your copy of the Stupid History book at stupidhistory.net. It's history like you've never read before. show today i have a very special guest with me a matter of fact i have the beat with me today and we're going to be talking about the best robin williams movies and what better way to do that than talk to about robin williams movies than with the beep himself so let's go on ahead let's welcome the beep to the show and let's do it hey man how are you doing doing okay uh you know surviving here I just want to say the intro to your show, like the video and like the graphic, everything you do, that's great stuff, man. Thanks, man. I do appreciate that. Just about every one of my guests uh, loves it. So does Rossi's guests. They just fall in love with the themes and stuff like that. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. But, somebody, uh, yeah, worked hard. somebody worked hard on it. That's all I know. Yeah, it's a um, matter of fact, I actually went through other people that are better at that graphic design stuff than me. <laughs> <laughs> so I told them what I wanted and they ended up delivering it on, on that. But we went through five different designers and one of them, yeah. all, trust me, we didn't even look anything like the photos. Like Ross, you know, like what the hell? We don't even right. look like them. I was like, yeah. So we ended up getting our money back off of one person and then going over to this other um, designer and we, we loved what they did over there. So I'm really happy. Well, thanks for having me on. 
I uh, oh, you're you're very welcome. And for this t- for this content too, this will be an interesting one because I uh, I do I think everybody has a what's what's the word a soft spot for Robin Williams, right? I think so too. I love Robin Williams, uh, hands down, one of my favorite actors, uh, of all time. I mean, he can make you laugh, he can make you cry. His dramas are really good. It's his suspense movies like One Hour Photo is also creepily good as well, yeah. even though some people don't really like it, but I like his performance in that one, but we'll get into all the stuff with Robert Williams, but man, his filmography is just outstanding. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I can't, I know, and I'm certain there's a movie out there that he's done that nobody cares about, but the ones yeah. that I've seen, uh, I don't know that the ones that I've seen are all smash hits, but the ones that I have seen, I have enjoyed all of them. Same here. I go based off of like rewatchabilities and stuff like that on what I watched. And that's how I came up and determined what my list of best Robin Williams movies. Yeah. So right. what what do you want to start off out of the gate with as far as your best Robin Williams? The best Robin? Well, I actually had a question for it before we started on Robin Williams. I had a question for you because your movie lovers unite, right? Mm-hmm. Which means you spend a lot of time watching movies, I assume, right? Yes. I mean, and breathe uh, watching movies pretty much. Right. So here's my question What was the last film you saw in a theater? The last film I seen was The Hill. And I basically got like an invite to that one virtually. And I ended up enjoying it. It's like a Christian based film. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it happens to be I got to interview the baseball player from, uh, that was the movie was based on. And everything else so yeah i definitely enjoyed watching the hill and going to see it for the very first time yeah so <clears throat> for those of you who are watching live i live in a house with pets and children and you may see some of all of those during this show just to let you know just that so everybody's aware of what could happen you know what i'm saying so uh anyway so yes my cat hobbs is sitting in the background right now for shot yeah 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 <laughs> But uh, so we went to go watch a movie over the weekend and it was the new Hunger Games movie. Oh, how was it? It was the best Hunger Hunger Games movie they've made. Because I've actually heard some people say, well, you know, the Hunger Games movie itself, the new one, feels like a TV show made for a TV movie kind of vibe to it. But but I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the very first Hunger Games movie. I'm not a big Hunger Games fan or anything like that. But I was like, okay, is that really accurate on what one person's opinion actually is? Where it feels like a made-for-TV movie, uh, TV movie. I guess what is that? What does that even mean anymore? Well, basically, the dialogue, the way that it's filmed, and things like that. As far as camera angles goes, maybe the dialogue is kind of flat a little bit. It may not be as strong or held up to the other Hunger Games movies, in a sense. Um, so the difference is, I mean, if you're familiar with the first time, you said you only saw the first one. I didn't read the story, so I don't really know. Uh, maybe the characters, that's the way they're supposed to be, I assume, just simply because of what you see from, it's the, it's like the prequel. It's it's where you get Snow from. It's where you get that, the main evil bad guy from, from right. like, how did he come to power, his rise to power? And so that is his character, and, he, and the character who plays him plays that character to a T perfectly, I thought. But 
And you know, I'm not I'm not a movie buff. I was most I was the most entertained by this one than I was from the other ones. Good though. I'm glad that you enjoyed that film. Um, because I know some people that came out loving it, and some people had like mixed reviews on it. But I'm glad that you enjoyed that film. But this does bring up my um my my current disdain for the movie or entertainment like TV entertainment industry in general at the moment uh, because I don't think there's original there's an original idea left in Hollywood. It's hard to actually determine which is original and which one's not. Like you get some good ones that are original uh, and things like that too. So you get some Martin Scorsese movies that are really good. As a matter of fact, the one that just came out, I haven't seen it, but I heard some good things about it. But as far as originality goes, I've been finding a lot more original stuff with the short films that I review things like that that you can be told in like five minutes or 20 minutes for that matter i'm i'm falling more in love with short films than i am with these long uh budget movies and stuff like that too but yeah there's some so there's some good originality in hollywood but some other uh, times i'm like okay they're running out of time they're trying to recreate certain reboots and franchises then you ran out of ideas the reason that the reason I bring it up is because I'm seeing all these <clears throat> they're asked the the question I'm seeing on my Twitter feed is why the new Marvel uh, what's the name of the Marvel film with the uh, Captain Marvel and yeah Captain Marvel so the new Captain Marvel film they're like well why is it bombing okay and I and I can tell you exactly why it's bombing first of all the first movie wasn't any good okay the first Captain Marvel movie wasn't any good but second what, this is like the 50th movie of the franchise. I don't really, you know, I don't really know what the number is, but we're like, dude, after the Avengers Endgame was like the last film, like the last Avengers film where they actually kill the bad guy. I felt like that should have been the end of all of the Marvel movies. Well, here's the thing. It's hard to actually kill the franchise itself because they come from Marvel Studios and because Marvel Studios is now a thing with Disney and everything. So it's hard to actually do that. But I do have to agree with you on the fact that the very first uh, Captain Marvel movie wasn't that great, but it made over a billion dollars in the box office, though, too. But it was also leading into Endgame. And right. that's also why it capitalized on the billion-dollar marker, because it was leading up to something. And that's something that we liked out of the whole entire di deal was. It was leading up to something. Other There's, movies... Where are we going? That's the question, is where right. are we going? And this miscombobulated. Nobody knows where anything that, that what it's doing or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. I like the Loki, Loki TV series for season one. I like Loki season two. Um, and then, of course, I also liked um, Vision and WandaVision. But as as, as far as the where they're going, right. But I did not like, here's the thing. I did not like Doctor Strange. I did not like uh, Doctor Strange 2, I mean. And then I also didn't like Quantumania. I also didn't like uh, the other set of Marvel movies. And I went in there thinking that this was going to be really good. And it winded up sucking for me. Right, well, how can it be good if you've basically gotten rid of the ultimate bad guy? Like, how do Which you is, that? right. So you would actually need a top tier uh, character, maybe like Doctor Doom. You would right. actually That's what need. I'm like, but yeah. with Doctor Doom. Well, I, forgive me. The name of the name of the main bad guy that they killed in Endgame is is eluding me. What was his name again? Thanos. Thanos. Was the uh, main bad guy. 
So is Dr. Doom worse than Thanos? He's not tougher than Thanos. I think Thanos is a lot more stronger, but he's also, but I think that you need to have a bigger character to be able to say, oh my God, this person's a threat. And you did have that with uh, going into Quantumania, of course, with having having that main villain. But then, of course, with Jonathan Majors, everything that's going on with him behind the scenes and stuff like that, nobody knows uh, what they're going to do uh, with him right now or anything like that either. But I think that you can go on ahead to say, hey, look, that's just a variant. He's not very strong as the other copies that they made. But there's one that's actually just really powerful. So, right, King the Conqueror. Yeah, I will say this: I did enjoy the last Guardians of the Galaxy film. That was actually I, pretty good. I I have heard mixed reviews about the film, but I think that as a standalone franchise, that's the, one of the ones that can remain healthy. Even though it it's, they've said that there's no more movies coming out. So um, that said, I know that we didn't come here to talk about the marvel universe but i in general like everything coming out of the major film uh holders like disney or universal you know or hollywood they're all they they seem bereft of ideas at the moment like we're we're now shooting live action films of cartoons right so as because that's what we all wanted right (laughs) exactly that's what i wanted right (laughs) but but my my main point is like the reason that I think I'm upset is because I keep wanting to go to the movie theater and there's nothing that I want to go see. Same here. And it's also a lot to do with the writer strike though, too. And the SAG strike. So that's why there's nothing much on TV. There's nothing going on. Everything's been pushed back. That's why there's nothing much coming out. So now that the strike is over with, now we're going to get a lot more of the things that we've been wanting. Uh, to come out. As a matter of fact, I'm excited about the new Deadpool Deadpool movie that's going to be coming out. I'm excited about that one. Uh, the new Beetlejuice two uh, movie just got th- done filming. I'm excited, but also iffy because it's been over 30 years. And when you have a movie that's been over 30 years ago or whatever, the expectations, the the expectations will be too high, right? <laughs> right, right. Coming to America two sucks. Coming to America one is still the best one. So right. there you go. Right. So well, I was happy. Uh, the Rings, like, I don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, but Rings of Power finally announced that the next season that's coming will be next year at this time. Um, I'm into that. So I was excited about it, though I wasn't super thrilled about the original season. But the first season is not always the best season in any of these things. So um, that said, it's still a spinoff of the story that's <laughs> <laughs> so i mean uh anyway so it's all kind of just a money grab at this juncture that's what it feels like to me exactly so so yeah so as far that, as the, so let's go ahead let's dive into some yeah, William stuff. yeah absolutely i can tell you that um the first movie that comes to mind when i say robin williams or someone says um movies that jump right to the front of your head the first one was mrs doubtfire right right because that was a funny film you said you were graduated in 2004 that means you were in middle school ish right when it actually i was in lower elementary whenever that movie came out so when it came out and my parents finally let me watch it it was like the funniest freaking thing i'd ever seen to that to that juncture you know what i mean like and that's why you remember it because to that juncture it's just the funniest thing you've ever seen 
Exactly. And you see, I remember as a kid seeing it, I was in lower elementary, it was a PG-13 movie, but I was able to still go see it because I was allowed to watch Red R movies. I was allowed to watch uh, those kind of movies. But I remember the jokes going over my head. I was just yeah. thinking that Miranda was just a douche towards uh, Robin <laughs> Williams. Right. Because I was like, this guy's funny. Why do you want to break this guy's heart for? He, Yes, he had a horse inside uh, the house for his kid's birthday. Why are you being so mean? He's just trying to be a father. Then you, as you get older, you're like, oh, he, he's the douchebag. And, and he was kind of, kind of was, you know. Right. So I'm like, okay, she has every right to divorce him. I'm sorry. Let's just go on ahead. Let's re, uh, redo this again. But, um, as a kid, I fell in love with the different voices, the impressions, him trying, uh, just the whole chaotic nonsense. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, and I, and it's just totally it makes me laugh every single time I watch it. Oh yeah, to this day, like um, you know what's funny is I I find and one of the reasons why this comes up, yes, it was hilarious, but in my life, well, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't really, I was like you, I didn't really see all the things that were going on. I just know it was freaking funny watching a guy uh trying to learn how to cook and like lighting himself on fire. <laughs> or say as a woman, have hot right. flashes. Right, right. Yeah. And so some of the some of those lines, like the opening part where he's doing the voice for voiceover for the cartoons and he's he's saying, Oh, I'm smoky's killing me, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, you know, just his just you know, and that's part of Robin Williams aura. You know what I mean? Like Whatever, whatever he was doing, by the time the movie was over, you were inspired, right? Exactly, because he's uh, he was the king of improv, of improvisation, because nobody can do whatever he d- does, especially whenever he's in the makeup chair, doing uh, uh, whenever he's doing that whole entire matchmaker, match, matchmaker, <laughs> make me a match song. Then there's also the dinosaur thing with him and Lundy, uh, um. Yeah, I still remember the character's name. The boss, the boss of uh, of him, his name was Lundy, right. and he's over there doing these dinosaur impressions and things like that. And then you also have the other thing with uh, you wind up seeing James Bond because what I, that's what I call him because that's who he was. But you see that one part where he throws a lemon at his head, Pierce Brosnan. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes, "I'm sorry, there was a run by uh, drive." There was a run by, by fruiting. fruiting. <laughs> <laughs> such a great line and such a great delivery no one can do that and then of course uh when he goes i need a face i need a face and he winds yeah. up shoving the uh the pie in his face uh and he goes hello, he goes, hello! <laughs> yeah 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 no and then uh what <laughs> lose when he lost his teeth in the cup Oh yeah, one lump or two, dear. Oh, <laughs> lost another one. Carpe dentum. <laughs> Seize the teeth. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, no, I, that's the first movie that comes to mind, and I think the reason that I even today that I still it's still endearing to me. Like it's like my probably one of my it is one of my favorite Robin Williams movies, but it's also one of my favorite like family style comedy films because he finds. In the midst of all the madness, he does become a better person, right? That's the story. The story is he's finding his way through this mess that he's created. And right. out, out, 
out the other side, he becomes a much better person, even though they still get divorced, right? Right. It's like he has to suffer with the consequences of his actions that he did before he learned all these lessons. Right. And realizing, hey, look, I can still be in my kids' lives. I just can't do and create this uh, havoc of coming up with another another person or another persona of me. I have to let them do what they need to do to grow and be by themselves, even though it's going to hurt me in the end, but I know they're going to be happy. Well, sacrifices. Yeah. And there's also that. And uh, there's that, there's that, there's that feeling. Sorry. I pause there for, there's that feeling of what someone's willing to do in order to be around the people that they love. Exactly. And he went through a lot of measures. I like how he goes through the interview process with Miranda, where he's doing the different voices yeah. That that was just classic. Yeah. <laughs> oh a boy, I remember I used to be one. <laughs> and then there was <laughs> <That's right. laughs> used to be one. Yeah. That's right. That's a good that I that whole um and then uh he's talking, hey, quit making that noise, don't make me get the hose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Those Hello? were good ones. Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, were there other films uh, from Robin Williams? Uh, I have a bunch more, but was there one that grabbed you um, kind of more than that? Okay, so for me, okay, I could either go with Aladdin or I can go with another movie that I've seen in theaters, which is Hook. But Hook is hands down one of my favorites. I remember going to the theaters because I I was a huge Peter Pan fan when I was a little kid. And and I wasn't sure what I was getting because I didn't know this was going to be the adult Peter Pan having kids. And then that's how he gets sucked back into Neverland. So I thought that was an interesting uh, spin that Spielberg did. And every single time that I see this on a streaming service, I just have to watch it. It doesn't matter. How can, how can you not, right? If it's on, you're watching it, right? That's one of those. Exactly. If it's on, you're watching it. I mean, come on, you got the movie, you got the whole, you got the kid from Dick Tracy in there, who was also in What About Bob right. uh, as well, and playing his son. This this was a great movie for kids to watch. Absolutely. And I just love it whenever Rufio shoots him in the nuts with the uh, with the rubber arrow. <laughs> but yeah, and then... Um, That's right. Yep. Uh, there's also the whole entire uh, deal where Peter's a lawyer. He's really miserable with the life that he has and just just tired of everyday life in a sense. Man, uh, was that... Who made that film? That wasn't Spielberg. a Disney film. It was Spielberg, yes, but who was the... Who was the, the production uh, company? Was it MGM? Man, I can't. I For the life of me, I... I can't remember who made it. I'm trying to look it up and I can't find any information on it. Oh, okay. So TriStar. TriStar made it. Yep. Yep. Man, that's a, that's old stuff right there. TriStar. Okay. Yeah. That's a company I haven't heard in over 100 years to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was, uh, I thought for some reason, I thought that was a Disney film. They might own the rights to it now, but uh, that's perfectly possible. But um so yeah, hook man, wrap your mind around that one for a minute, because that was in that it was 1991, right? So uh, how old were you in 91? I was probably about eight or nine. Right. So I was born in 83. So I was eight. Okay. 
So when it came out, I think my parents went to watch it in the theaters. And then we waited till it came out on VHS to watch it with the kids. Right. That's back when going to the movies was a thing your parents did and that you got to do like once a year. Right. Not for me. My mom was able to let me go to the movie theaters every single time I wanted to see something in theaters. Basically, we were well, we were living in a very small town and the movie theater was, well, maybe two screens at the time. So it was kind of like you wouldn't get in with five kids or a family of five. You know, and so mom and dad would go on a date night, that kind of thing. I got you. Yeah, uh, I totally understand that then. If it's a family of five, yeah, you're paying, even though we complain about the price and cost of how much it costs in today's world and society with five kids with money, with inflation. But back in those days, it would probably cost us about 25, maybe $35 at that time, probably. Yeah, but for my parents, that was a lot. Okay. So (laughs) that was a lot back then for them. And so they said, okay, well, if we go just the two of us, it's like $10. But if we all go, it's $30. Right. Right. And so it's, so that's kind of a big difference, but at the same time, um, we, we watched most of our movies at home. We only went to go see the biggest movies in the movie theater. So when hook came out, it was a family favorite, but, it was only a family favorite once it was out on VHS because we didn't know anything about it. But when you brought up Aladdin, right? Anybody remember any of the other characters about Aladdin other than the genie? I mean, I can name yes, them. I can name them. But do you remember any of their lines? No. All I can remember is Beanie's lines and that was it. And that tells you everything there is to know about how good Robin Williams is. Exactly. A, a singular actor who is not a main, I mean, he's a, a main character, but he's more of an offshoot of a main character. He's like a supporting cast role member that's kind of there almost as much as the main characters. And you remember him more than you remember the story, more than you remember the other characters. You don't know any of the other characters' lines. You only remember the genie. And Apparently, and I read I read uh, a little bit of trivia on this because I read that he did the Aladdin movies for like eighty grand. That was what he. That's what he got paid for it, like a minimum fee to do that film. And I also remember Gilbert Goffrey being in that movie though too. Oh yeah, I do he remember the, the uh, scene. Parrot. Yeah. Yes, I do remember the scene where the parrot is stuffing cookies in the in his mouth. <laughs> He's saying, "Want want another cracker?" I'll show you. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, um, if you're just sitting here thinking, "Hey, what are the best lines of the film?" They're all the genie's lines, all of them. Exactly. Uh, after ten thousand years, I've been trapped in this bottle. What a creak in the neck! And he pops his neck. Then yeah. there's, um. Him describing the rules to Aladdin of all the rules that he can and can't do as a genie and as his master, and then him uh, making him Abu, the uh, Abu, and everything too. I remember all that stuff. Yeah, and just falling in love with Aladdin. I, I really liked it. I'd say for most of us, that was our biggest introduction to Robin Williams' voice. Right, that's the one that we watched over and over and over again a hundred times. Because we were kids and we loved cartoons, 
right? Exactly. Right. And eighty thousand—that's actually kind of crazy that he actually did it just for eighty grand. Like I heard, like I heard it was like a maybe, and it might have been less than that, but it was a minimal. Like he just did it because he wanted to do it, and he loves he loved doing what he did for that film, though. Like Aladdin spiked his career up even more. Yeah. Oh, and it, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm gonna actually look this up right now because you we brought it up. We might as well find out, you know. Uh here we go. And it popped right up. Seventy-five thousand dollars instead of eight said Aladdin was released, became a box office juggernaut, and merchandising was a no-brainer for the Walt Disney Company. Williams accepted to be paid less for the role, seventy-five thousand dollars instead of eight million, to ensure his voice wouldn't be used to sell any kind of products. I was actually, I actually remember owning a lot of Aladdin stuff as a kid. I, I owned the lamp. I owned the genies and stuff like that too. Jafar, uh, all that stuff. I was a huge collector when it came down to movies and things like that, and pop culture stuff. It's just saying that the reason he wanted to do it that uh, to do it that way was because um, he was basically just wanted to be part of the film, and he wanted for kids to enjoy the film without feeling like he had to make a ton of money doing it. I like the fact he did it like that. It just goes to show you that he was doing it for the love and passion for film versus right. doing it for the money itself. I mean, at that juncture, he had made plenty of money already. Exactly. I mean, so. yeah. There's also Fern Gully too, though. He was in Fern Gully? Yeah, but... he played the bat. Oh, yes. Yes. And you know what's funny is that was not a film that I watched a bunch. I watched it maybe once or twice as a kid. I guess I just never realized, it never really plugged into my mind that that was Robin Williams. Yeah, Batty Coda was the voice, and that was in the same year that um, Aladdin came out. It was in 92. Okay. We had like yeah. two animated films back to back. Right. Yeah, I guess I didn't even make sense that part. I Anyway, go ahead. Is that So but, Fern Gully's your next film? Yeah, Fergally to me was one of my favorite animated films because I remember the bat just being like me. I have ADD. I was like all over the place, him doing just different voices and having like that AM FM kind of vibe to him and yeah. stuff like that too, with his um with his battiness is what I'm gonna call it. His battiness since he <laughs> but right. I really enjoyed it. I really I, I really enjoyed the film. I haven't seen it in so long though. But just like Aladdin, his stuff is just as quotable in that film than it is um, in Aladdin, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, I the Fern Gully film was one that came out when they and it's still, a, you know, a huge movement that's coming through. But it was a uh, political movement to stop uh, destroying the rainforests. And, you know, I enjoyed the message. It was a good one you know, make you, make you think in ways that maybe you hadn't really thought of. Cause I didn't really live near a rainforest at the time. Yeah, so. but, it, but it also goes with pollution and environmental stuff though, too, with the trees and the things like that too. So it's more of like an environmental movie is where, wherever you live at, you can relate to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there are so many films on the list that he has been in. <laughs> I mean, 
I did not like this film, but Flubber, I mean, that was for me one of those slapstick humor comedy films that was right up his alley, but it wasn't really that great of a film. I didn't care for that one too much either. I remember seeing it on Thanksgiving Day, which is like a holiday movie that came out on Thanksgiving because I remember going to see it. But right. it wasn't one of my favorites. Like I laughed, but I'm like, yeah, it's not as good as I wanted it to be. You know? Right, right. So um, I would say there's a couple movies that really stood out. Obviously, the, I assume that you've seen Good Morning Vietnam. Yes, that was actually on my list though too. So let's talk about that. I I um didn't watch this until I was an adult. It's just not something Same. that my parents would allow me to watch. Uh, they stuck by their guns when it came to the ratings on the movies. So at my at my at, in our house growing up. So. Um, I watched, I was like, you know what? Everybody talks about this film. I'm watching it. So I put it in and I was pleasantly surprised. It was a great See, film. I was allowed to watch regular movies, like I said, but it was one of those movies as a kid. I'm like, I'm not interested in this. This is not something that I would watch. I would probably find it boring. The only time that I would probably laugh my butt off is whenever he's doing the voice impressions. So it wasn't until I was like 18, maybe 19 when I popped this in and watched it. And I laughed at um the I laughed at all the bits that he did. And then of course with the news trying to cut the censor certain parts of the war. And of course he winds up sticking up for what he believed in because he was actually involved in that whole entire bombing situation. They were right. trying to cover it up. And he didn't realize too at that time of how bad censorship was within the yeah. war. Yep. So that was also another thing. But yep. I like the whole entire deal where he's doing these different oppressions. He's basically Howard Stern in the mornings in Vietnam. Right. Essentially. But he's trying to keep the troops entertained. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's who they would listen to in the morning. And it's tough because they're fighting in a war that they don't probably probably don't really want to be fighting. And so exactly. his job or the job of the disc jockeys at the time, that was what they did, you know, uh, and they had to keep these guys, you know, their morale up. That was the job. The job was to keep the morale up because they're really fighting in a war that they shouldn't have been in. And everybody knew it at the time, but the good morning Vietnam, did he win a, an Oscar for that one? I know that there was a lot of Academy award noms for goodwill hunting. Yeah, but I don't know about that. Boy, I, if the Kev was here, he'd be shaking his finger at me. You should know this, but uh, I think he was either nominated or got one for that film. I could be wrong. And I do know that it was one of his best films. Uh, coming into that, you know, a couple years later, he had Dead Poet Society. I don't know if that's on your list. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. But Dead Poet Society, that was another one where I shelved until I was an adult. But I'm glad I watched it because hey, that was one of his finest moments. Yes, I love the Poet Society and stuff. And I also haven't seen uh, that as a kid either. It wasn't until I was in my teens when I seen that because, like I said, it was certain movies that are like too deep or too or anything like that as a kid, especially eight or nine. I'm not going to watch Dead Poet Society. I'm probably going to watch like Honey, I Blew Up the Ki- uh, Shrunk the Kids or watch something on that kind of level or aladdin uh before i watch dead poet society i would probably think it was boring by going into it as an adult or 18 19 years old yeah i've seen it i like i liked it so robin williams won best actor in 1988 i assume for good morning vietnam which was released in 87 yeah he did I think that's that was the best leading role Right. And then he won again in 1990 for Dead Poet Society, I assume, because 89 is when that one came out. Uh, so the, I think what you're seeing, we're naming off the best films he maybe ever made. <laughs> right. Because right. it's hard to determine because the way I see it is this. Robin hasn't had, a, uh, he made some bombs, but it's not that many compared to some other actors com- actors like for instance i remember uh i like toys i like the movie toys you and i were going to review that this is why we're doing this instead but i like toys i know that you like toys right yeah you mean toy story no toys with robin wings oh yeah you know i i um i thought we were going to review toy story that's what i I thought oh i thought we were doing toys no but uh that's okay Okay, I thought okay because you said I like the movie The Toy, I'm like toys. No, Toy Story is what I said, but that's okay. Yeah, oh. okay, I need to re. Okay, <laughs> you know what? We're gonna do Toy Story next time. I was thinking the to- I was thinking toys with. But uh, I Robin do know Williams. what you're talking about toys because he was uh, in toys for sure. Right. Um, or was it? And he was also in Robots. I didn't even realize yeah. that, and I yeah. and I did like that film, but uh. In, uh, he won another award in 92, and I'm trying to think of what film he did in 92. Oh, uh, that was Hook. Had to be Hook, right? Did he win an Academy Award for Hook, though? I don't no. think so. I don't see him win. <laughs> I don't know why he would have won for Hook, but that's all right. Anyway, Dead Poet Society. That was one of the one of the better films I've ever seen. You know, it's funny. Robin Williams was in one of the best... All these films that we're naming, they are some of my favorite movies all time. Like, all time. Films that if they turn on, I'm watching them. Like, if you find them on TV, I'll watch them. Or if I'm flipping through Netflix and one of his films are there, like one of these films are on there, I'm like, oh, oh, I think I really want to watch that. I only have an hour. I can't can't stop. Anyway, so so did you have a a next film on the list? Yeah, I do. Uh, let's see here. I want to answer bills of support real quick about that. About that, Pat, uh, about Patch Adams. Patch oh, Adams. 
uh, came out in it's in this time frame. I, came out in '98, so yeah, that that was a couple of years later, right? So and I actually think that's one of the Academy Awards he won was Patch yeah. Adams, which so. he definitely deserved it for Patch Adams. I gotta give him props for that. Yeah. Uh, Jumanji is also another one I really liked of his. I remember uh, going into the theaters to see that for the very first time and then just being mind blown because of the effects at the time and yeah. because of the fact that this is a, a board that determines um, determines how the outcome of the game is and how it comes to life in our time. So I yeah. definitely like that. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you about this. Are you ready for super honesty time? Of the Jumanji movies that have come out, I prefer the I prefer the first Jumanji movie that came out with The Rock. <laughs> okay. Over over Jumanji in nineteen ninety five. I just thought you see, I like the cool. Jumanji movie, and then I also like the second uh, Jumanji movie. Right, and so uh, the one with The Rock was a lot less serious, and I think that's why I liked it. I think the original Jumanji was just a little bit too much for me when I watched it. I got the first time. And so for whatever reason that kind of turned me off. I'd... Anyway. Um, so this actually brings up, she had mentioned Patch Adams. Um, that was a good film. I mean, really, really good film, obviously based on a true story. It, I, I cannot think of anyone else playing that character. I mean, can you me either effectively? Not effectively, not like how Robin did it, because you're talking about a guy who checks himself into a mental institution and gets institutionalized. And then he realizes while he's being institutionalized that none of these patients are being cared for and got him to be inspired to be a doctor because these other doctors are not doing what they need, what they need to be doing. And let's say, for instance, OK, the hottest person that during that time was George Clooney and he was on Eagle. If right. you would have put George Clooney in a Patch Adams movie, it would not have worked effectively. They'd be seeing that character that George is playing, and he'll be typecast as that character from ER versus it being a Patch Adams movie. But what right. Robin Williams did was he became Patch Adams. He understood who Pat Patch Adams was. He did the research for it, and he cared about what he was doing. And you can see it. And he did it, did it consistent. Uh, he actually did it well. And, you know, I still laugh at a lot of the bits that he did, even whenever you see the, um, the, the, uh, this woman's legs are spread open over the door. <laughs> and he goes, be careful. It's a little slippery. So, right. and then there's also this, uh, this one woman who wanted to be in a bowl of soup or bowl of cereal. Right. And he right. did that for her. It has so much mix of drama, comedy, and it'll make you cry because of what happened to his girlfriend towards the end of the film. So it's a perfectly well balanced movie. And I then you also have, I definitely yeah. wept in that film. Definitely wept. But yeah, I was in junior high when that movie came out, and I, I went out and seen it. I think I was a freshman in high school when I saw it, and uh, we watched it as a family, and all, we all cried. <laughs> so, but you also have Philip Seymour Hoffman in that as the douchebag roommate who's trying to turn him in for every little thing that you can think and then of. He, and then he needs him because he's now flunking himself or something like that. No, he needs him because remember. one of his patients is dying and he can't get him to eat. Yep. So, so, and yeah. and he gets him to eat. 
My other favorite thing, though, man, is this, okay? They go to a meat um, packing place or something like that, or a seminar. Right. And he has, like, this the coat of the doctor, but he covers up the emblem. Right. And he goes, and he's just imagining what it would be like to actually have the MD on the jacket. I really, I really find it inspiring. Well, I think originally they go into the meat packers convention Convention. just to meet people is that what it is i think that's that's what what it was it was just to meet people just to see if they could get away with entering them that place even though they're not on the list right and robin's over there oh you do i'm partner it's good to see you i haven't seen you on ages (laughs) and then he he does that whole entire thing with the skill and donner donner partner get 50 (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's good that's good all right well this leads me uh to my favorite robin williams movie and i did not watch this movie until i was out of college i don't think and some of you are listening to this and be like what but i wasn't out of college until 07 and i had not seen goodwill hunting until one fateful day i watched it i was like everybody talks about this film i'm gonna watch it and it it changed my life like his character in this film not Matt Damon's character, not Ben Affleck's character, but Robin Williams' character in the film changed the way I see things um, and how I like and how I'd like to deal with people. Um, it was just very the way that he portrayed the uh, psychologist or I guess psychiatrist um, who met with Will with Will Hunting uh, that really made me want to help people i I like that if that makes any sense because the way that he deals with what i would call first of all you know you have will hunting who is a savant essentially right but he's also a very wounded savant so he's if you can help him then he's going to change the world and that's what goes on you know but what he turns him on to is the most important thing in your life is I got to go see about a girl. You know what I mean? And like, but the thing about it is, is in, in the psychologist or in the psychiatrist's life, in that character's life, the thing that made him a better man, a better person, uh, a person ultimately that's going to serve the world better is his love for his wife. Right. Because exactly. he would come home from talking to these crazy people and she would center him, you know? And when he imbued that understanding onto Will Hunting in the film, and I understand he's not writing it, but his the way he portrays it, like just the way that he talks to Will Hunting in the film is one, it's hilarious, but two, it's life changing. Like the things that he says. Exactly. Um, I like how he tells the story about his wife, about how they first got married, and how they first got, you know, and then. I also like how Ben is also very caring towards his friend, Will. He goes, one day, I'm going to come by over here. You're not going to be here. You're going to be off having your own life. And that's actually one of the things that I really liked about it was how caring he is. He's like, look, you're basically wasting your time doing what you're doing. And you're smarter than this. You don't need to be doing what you and I really like that whole entire charismatic to Ben's character, but I also like Will's character though too, where you know he's how real he actually is. 
you know, because it's like everyday life, everyday conversations. And he's talking to Robin Williams. And, you know, I, I really, I really admire this film a lot. And not only that, but I really tear it up. And especially that last scene with him and Robin. You know? Yeah. No joke. But so one, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote the film, right? And they are young people when they write this film. So their insight is extraordinary for this for this time in their life, right? But two, like the the casting of Robin Williams in that can you let once again, a character, can you see anyone else playing that character? No, I cannot see someone playing that psychiatrist. Um, and you know what? Yeah, you know what movie came out the same year? That. Flubber. Yep. Okay, so you have Robin Williams in Flubber, and in the same year, he's doing Goodwill Hunting. The range for Robin Williams acting is just out, you know, utterly extraordinary. I mean, just absolutely just extraordinary. Straight. Yeah. Exactly. It just shows you the layers that he has actor to do something that's totally serious and then go in with comedy you know yeah like i mean you got a patch adams I mean, character yeah, he, which he, he plays the next year you know right. in 98 it comes out so these movies are coming out one right after the other and we're talking about a stretch of four or five years where he is academy award, academy award mention constantly you know goodwill hunting he's not the main character but i think matt damon was um, he was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor in for Goodwill Hunting, and I think he won it. And then he won again for main character Patch Adams. So, I mean, he had a he had a stretch in the '90s that you could argue that he was the best actor in the world. Exactly. That's how I viewed him as too, because of his track record. Right. And yeah, On... Toys. I'm gonna be real with you too. Boys didn't make that much money in the box office. That was his worst movie that he did in the 90s. And I remember that movie only being up at the movie theater for a week. And then they took it, took it down. Because I was like, I was excited because, oh, I get to see another Robin Williams movie. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring you over here uh, Saturday. I was like, okay. Next thing you know, it, it's not there anymore. Because that's how bad the film flopped. That's the only thing I could say that was a flop in the 90s for him. When you look at box office, that movie was only up for a week, and that was it for toys. That movie had LL Cool J in it. It had um, John C Joan Cusack in it. It had Robin Williams in it, and yeah. it wasn't that great of a film, uh, yeah, or anything from what I remembered. I remember as a kid being being bored with it, and then a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I want to revisit this and see as an as an adult. Maybe I might actually have different lenses for it. And it's really a deep, dark movie. That's that um that is very depressing in a sense. Agreed. I mean, yeah. So moving on from Goodwill Hunting, if you look at the rest of his career, he doesn't really have. A bunch of good movies that come after that. He's in Death to Smoochie, you know. Yep. He was in Bicentennial Man, which was all right, you know. Artificial Intelligence. He was in those are big films. I mean, I not and then Mrs. Doubtfire was kind of the last for me. His last well, movie that was really good. Well, also too, you also had him in RV, which was hit or miss, but Night of the Museum is what put him back on the map again because everybody liked him as Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, but Night of the Museum wasn't even that great of a film. 
okay, I'll give you this. There was a film he was in called August Rush, but I did not like his character. Yeah, I haven't and seen I, that one. August Rush is an amazing movie. Great music, great plot, great story. Uh, Robin Williams' character, while he probably, like, he played it pretty well, he, he it wasn't, like, his best role. Let's just put it that way. The film did really well and it was popular. And the reason it was popular and got good ratings was because of the, um, was because of the, the writing, the music. Um, and August Rush was, uh, what was that kid's name? Uh, Freddie Highmore's first movie. You know, maybe not his first movie, but his first big film that Freddie Highmore was in, the main character of. And so, he come out and he played the character of August Rush so perfectly that it was hard to wrap your mind around the other characters because this was a story about the, this kid named August Rush. So you should watch it. It's a great film. Great film. Definitely will. And Samia was also another good one that he did. Yes. And that's one that I didn't, doesn't come to mind for me because I, I may have watched it once. I watched it maybe once or twice, but performance level, that's what I remember. Um, but let's see here. His character isn't meant to be liked, but One Hour Photo was also another film that he did. He was really creepy in that movie. He, it made my hair stand, my, my arms, my hair or all my arms stand up. It's really extra creepy in it, but it's not one of those movies that I want to go back and revisit again or anything, yeah. but it's still, you know, it's still up there as far as him being a really good actor. Uh, you have Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which he was just featured in it. And he just shows up in it for a minute playing John Jacob Jinkerheimer Smith. Mm-hmm. Then you also have uh, him in another um, cameo appearance and everything, too. Um, in another film, but I forgot what other film that was. But then you also have him in The Birdcage, which is not one of my favorites or anything like that. There was like some aspects I liked and some I didn't really care for in it. Uh, Jack was pretty good. Yeah, Jack was pretty good. Yep, I'll I'll give you that. And then he was also in uh, Jacob the Liar, which I've been told is a really good film, but I haven't. I haven't seen that one. Seen it? Oh yeah, Nine Months. Doctor Kosovich was one of my other favorite ones from Hugh Grant. Um, but he was only a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> and he's supposed to be like a Russian doctor, and he was. He comes from Russia, and he's a he's a veterinarian. So the only thing that he knows how to uh, take babies out of is cats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, all in all, this has actually been a really good segment, though. I'm glad that we actually did the best um, Robin Williams movies. Yeah, because I wouldn't have been able to speak much to Toys because I haven't really seen it. <laughs> and. I promise you we'll review Toy Story because that is one of my favorite Pixar movies. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's wow. the next one that you and I need to do. Seriously. Absolutely. No, I'm in I'm into it. I am totally into it. Because the Toy Story films, not to get away from Robin Williams, of course, but the Toy Story films came out what, ninety nine? Ninety eight, ninety nine? Yeah, ninety eight, I wanna say for the first one, because I still remember that was like the first time they ever tried to do three D animation. And it was brand new at the time. And that's when Pixar, Toy Story put Pixar on the map. 
Yeah, and so like we waited forever to watch that film. They talked about it for two or three years, right? So my mom's like, we're going to that film. And uh, we went. And it was it was everything we had waited for. In fact, I rarely, rarely, if ever these days, get hyped up for a film and it delivers. Right? Exactly. But back then, back then, like when those movies were coming out, the movies all delivered on the hype. Right? I mean, yep. like, I can't... Jurassic Park. I mean, delivered absolutely. The ones that followed didn't really deliver, but the original Jurassic Park it delivered. You know what I mean? And 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 so these Robin Williams films we're talking about, they all delivered. In fact, more. What you see is what you got. There was no misconception in the advertising or anything like that. It was what you see is what you got from Robin Williams. Nothing was cut out from what the trailer was onto what was what was the full length movie. It was just perfect. Right. And so I think that's what I miss about that era of film. I mean, when's the last time that we had a Patch Adams like film? You know what I mean? Can't even We're, tell you. We are crying out for a film like that. You know what I mean? The closest thing, like this isn't even the '90s. Richard Dreyfuss, Mr. Holland's Opus, is actually the closest thing that you can get to a Patch Adams movie, though, too, but in, right. delivered in a different way. But that still, great, I want that, that was a great film in and of itself great film but i can't think of when's the last time i mean and there have been films that have come out that were great i'm not saying there haven't been but when have we had a movie that one delivered on the hype and two was not like was a unique idea like an original idea that wasn't like uh jaws 2 or or uh, you know what I mean, like the third film in this in the franchise. When did we? When's the last time we had a film that delivered that was? Now I heard that this Killers of the Flower Moon was pretty good. Yeah, right? I heard it was good, but I haven't seen it. It's one of those things that I have to. It with Forrest Gump is also another good one. Yes, that was also not, not over. Came out in the nineties. Exactly. Right? The soundtrack. Oh my god, the two yes. soundtrack set was fantastic. You also had um. That soundtrack going on. You have the Sandlot. You have oh man. But what what we've done is like, I think, I think for Robin Williams to be the best actor during that time frame. I mean, obviously Tom Hanks was good too, but I think Robin Williams at the time was better. I really do. And well, if you look at it like this, though, at that time though, too, Tom Hanks was just getting started in his dramas. Yeah. And he all he did was comedies at the time, and then he did a lot of rom coms and stuff. And then right. he started hitting his stripe with Castaway. So yeah, that was that was show. whenever he started doing the dramas, right? But there was this like golden age of film, like in the nineties. That's what it felt like. I mean, you got Braveheart come out. I know that some people are will talk crap about Braveheart, but I'm telling you right now, Braveheart was one of the best films ever created. I really love it. The cinematography with it was really good. I really enjoyed that one. I even liked The Last of the Mohicans. That was a good one. The Patriot was another good one. But these are all 90s films. Every single one right. that we've named are 90s films. Like we are talking about a decade of movies where there was no 
I mean, I, I guess I'm saying this tongue in cheek because I can't remember all the great films that came out in the 2000s decade, but the 90s, um, the 90s was probably one of the better decades for movies as far as, hey, blockbuster hits that delivered on the hype. I mean, my son, his favorite film is Forrest Gump, and he's in seventh grade. I'll tell you what else is one of my favorites is Shawshank Redemption. Oh my goodness. Another 90s film. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Underrated. Forrest Gump beats it out and it becomes a cult classic later on. Right. And then there's uh then you have all these um uh dude, uh Mr. Uh, Freeman, Morgan Freeman movies that Morgan came Freeman. out at that time yep. too. You know, during that time frame. Morgan Freeman had a bunch of really good movies at that time. You had uh I hate to say it. This is a cult following film, but Independence Day, right? Yep. yep. Which had a big blockbuster uh, moment over in the 90s in July. Right. Right. And I yeah. think the, what, Back to the Future 3 was in the 90s. Yep. Uh, 93, I believe, if I'm right. not mistaken. But that was like the, and it delivered. Like it was the first, for me, what what's funny is that wasn't a brand that wasn't a unique idea film but what they did was they made it into a unique film like they expanded a, on it right it's a it's the third film in a trilogy of films and they made it absolutely unique to the other two films you know what i mean like you could literally watch that film and be like oh this is new right and and you exactly. you didn't necessarily have to be plugged into the other two films to figure out what was going on Right, exactly. You can go in there, watch the third one without any problem. But for me, I would say that you would have to watch at least the second one to get the continuity around the third one, because right. it picks off right where the second one left off. So if you're gonna go three, you have to go with two. If you're gonna, right? I mean, but I hey, look, we're talking about three of the best films that have ever created. I mean, they yeah. hit the box office huge. They were rated highly, but they all delivered. You know what I mean? We're talking mid eighties to through the nineties. We're talking about a golden age of film. I really do think, and some would say, no, the golden age of film is probably, you know, they would say it's the eighties, but I, I really do believe that once we started, once we moved into the nineties, you had this tipping point of one technology um, and audio when you're sitting in a theater where it went from, pretty good audio to fantastic audio and then the Surround screen sound. right and then the screens and the um the technology as far as making the uh the actual visual of it even better um i think maybe that's why i'm thinking it was you know because i experienced yeah. the films that way and i went from you know 80s films to 90s films and you could just tell like there's big changes a like big, massive, even the widescreen shot angles of the films of capturing everything on a widescreen angle. And then also, too, getting this crap scared out of you by watching Jurassic Park for the yeah, first time, no too. Joke. And Jurassic Park, I mean, you watch it now, right? Oh, man, I forgot the Saving Private Ryan and Rudy came out during the yep. 90s. Right, Rudy was a good one. <laughs> so, right, it's just and like so massive though in the '90s that you forget about certain things, you know. Yeah. And, well, so also, Cool Runnings. Yep, Cool Runnings was another good one. 
you know, look, and and you could go through Happy Gilmore came out in the nineties. That's one of my favorite films. You know, so I I mean, like that's the thing. I I I don't want to keep looking at the list and say, hey, the nineties were the best. The nineties were the best. But hey, look, there was a lot of good movies in the nineties. Okay, lots of really good films in the nineties, and for. Uh, for us to say Robin Williams is the, at the top of the heap for actors in those films, you know, this was Tom, this was the Tom Cruise era, you know, this was the Kevin Costner era. And yet, and, and this was where, this was when uh, Tom Hanks really started to take off. Exactly. And for us and to say, I, Hey, Robin Williams was the best actor during that time frame is a huge, huge thing to say. Huge. Definitely. But uh, I think that's everything that I had wanted to cover as far as the best Robin Williams movies and things like that. But man, this was fun just going back and forth, just talking about the filmography of Robin Williams and just us just conversating about different things around the film industry and itself and things like that, too. I just want to say thank you for joining me for this. You will definitely be in touch to do uh, Toy Story. Because oh, I love it. Absolutely. That, that, yes. Because, uh, man, I love that. I will be looking for that invite. You are always welcome, my friend. You're always welcome over here. I appreciate it very much. Anytime. Uh, So my question is this. So do you have anything going on as far as your podcast goes or anything like that? Yeah. So um, my podcast, it's called the Finding Your Way podcast with the Beeb. So if you if you are interested in my style of podcast, I don't know if you I don't know if you've personally been able to listen to any episodes or anything like that, but Mine is mine is more inspirational, more encouraging, more spiritually developed type of podcast. I recognize that it's um, it's a lot more. What's the word? Serious. <laughs> it's a lot more serious. It's only about twenty minutes of serious, though, you know. And and uh, so I found my little niche in that area. So what I do is I, you know, in our network, especially at Unfiltered Studios, we we cover the gamut, right? We pretty much have now, obviously we are looking for true crime podcast. We're looking for, um, you know, there are some other types of podcasts that we're looking for. We haven't quite really laid our hands on yet. Like, uh, but we, and we are kind of, we are kind of, uh, picky and choosy about who we let in just cause we're still small and we're still family, you know, still feels like a, a family. We're trying to protect it. You know what I mean? But, uh, we are looking to expand, but my particular niche is to be more in the serious, the realm of the serious just cause I think that's, that's where I sit well. Um, and that's kind of where I fit. And so if you need a moment of encouragement or you need to hear a really cool uplifting story or, you know, uh, there are, there is some, uh, you know, I interview people who are just good, either good friends of mine or people who have, who are inspiring to me, um, who I think will bring something to your life, will add to you, not take away. Right. And that's, that's kind of the idea. The idea is that if I'm going to produce an episode, I want to produce an episode that, that will add to your life not take away. So when you're listening to my 20 minutes of podcasting or what, you know, however long it is that week, um, that it makes you think and that it adds to your life. I do. Uh, you know what? I might have to listen to that, um, soon and everything too. Matter of fact, all his links and everything will be in the show notes below later on, but thank you so much for joining me for this. Um, 
matter of fact, Tuesday, I'll have Beth on from the uh, Made for TV movie podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be reviewing planes, trains, and automobiles. Then on the 22nd, Rossi and I will be doing Why Do We Like Gangster Movies? So this is going to be part of our intermission episode and questioning why do we like gangster movies? This was inspired by my wife because she asked me, why am I watching all this gangster shit? Here's the, like, here's the answer like, to that. There's an answer for that. Because they're good. <laughs> well, I said this. I told her this. I said, because I'm Italian. She goes, I'm Italian too, but you don't see me doing anything like that. I'm like, or watching anything like that. I'm like, then as I'm going through the work week, I'm like, why do I like gangster movies? So then I went on ahead. I was like, you know what? We're going to do this as an intermission episode. So intermission episodes is going to go like this. Imagine that you're in line and you're waiting for your movie to start and you're standing next to your friend or whatever. You're like, well, the new Avenged Sevenfold album came out. Really? Okay, so what is that about? How is the music? Then you start talking about that. And then you also talk about, well, I like this gangster movie. Well, why do you like gangster movies? And you have that conversation with somebody else. So that's that's going to be part of our intermission episodes. And then uh, after that, Rossi is going to do another show with this is her video game segment that she's doing. And she's going to be doing GTA uh, San Andreas. So we're going to be yeah. reviewing that. So there is one film. Are you so you brought up gangster films and I don't want to take up too much time, but uh Kevin Costner was in a gangster film. What was it called? I keep saying I want oh, to Oh, I know which one you're film. talking about. It's got De Niro in it. The Untouchables. The Untouchables. I have not seen the oh. film, but I want to desperately watch it. Like I need to go, I need to see if it's on Netflix or something because I keep seeing it. I see all these clips from it. I'm like, everybody knows this film. I have got to see this film. I actually went and, well, I didn't go anywhere, but I actually seen the movie uh, about three or four years ago when I really liked it for the very first time. I didn't go back and revisit it, but it is a, such a good film. I definitely recommend recommending you see it. Um, I know we talked about 90s tropes, but while uh, Tombstone was also a good one too. Yeah, Tombstone. <laughs> That's a for real show right there. I'll be your Huckleberry buddy. But anyways, guys, I hope everyone has a great and safe night. I thank you so much, Beep, for joining me for this. This means so much to me. I've been wanting to do a top uh, list of Robin Williams movies for a while, so I can actually cross that off my bucket list of things to do. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. All right, guys. Well, have a great and safe night, and we'll guys, catch you guys on the next one. This podcast is a production of Unfiltered Studios. If you would like to know more about joining Unfiltered Studios, please visit our website at unfpod.com for more information. Movie lovers, you died! 